You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode thirty-six. Uh, no A's, B's, or C's or anything like that. Special editions. Uh, I'm John. Um, and joined by John, how you doing? Yeah, good, as usual, how are you? Hi, good, hi. Uh, Chris, how you doing? You're back? I'm here, I'm here as well, yep. Uh, and then, jo- good John was telling me that we've got a special guest on, Paul Van Dyke, German DJ. Oh. I was quite surprised, <laughs> I was not sure why he's on for the, the podcast, but I used to listen to his music when I was younger, so... Uh, no, but uh, on a serious note, we've got Paul John Dykes, um, who is on... And he is a award-winning podcaster, so I don't know what he's doing on this. Um, <laughs> Teaches us what aye, to do. <laughs> maybe give us a few lessons, but aye. Um, a Celtic state of mind, he's an author. Um, he's written books, or helped write books about uh, Celtic. Documentary producer, live events host, global ambassador uh, for the Jimmy Johnson Charitable Trust. So that's your introduction, aye. How you doing, Paul? You good? That's a great introduction, and anybody can call me Van Dyke at any point. I'm quite happy with that. I've been called a lot worse, mate. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I've always been absolutely. with the, the whole charity football game. We've been um, looking for you to come on. Um, so no, thanks for um, thanks first of all um, for answering the call to um, playing the game and for getting us. Uh, Forget the Celtic manager, Frank McGarvey. Oh, the bold Frank. You'll not be disappointed with Frank. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. So uh, he'll be delighted to to take the reins and give us all a very unique team talk on the day. Anybody that's playing for Celtic are in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. And this is just what two Aberdeen fans are badly doing the podcast and our Celtic fan on, uh, to, <laughs> especially in the, with the, the semi-final draw. So uh, but we'll come on to that later on. Good timing. But, uh, Oh, yeah, oh, perfect timing, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, or we could just talk about the Scottish Cup. May as well. That's what we're all here for. By all accounts, all I think it's going to stop Celtic is coronavirus. So, <laughs> it's touching goal, but I'm not sure where I want to go in this one, whether I want it or not. If it's going to stop Celtic winning our treble. I hope that you don't want coronavirus. What's that? I hope you don't want coronavirus, John. No, I don't want it. <laughs> Uh, but supposedly, not, I, I don't know the news earlier, but going to be 250,000 Scottish folk getting it? I don't believe that. We'll just fight it off. <laughs> Square goal coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was that simple. Um, I'm still expecting the whole thing to blow over at some point. Um, but, aye. Because remember, like, 11 years ago, um, it, was this, it was a swine flu. 10, mm-hmm. 10 or 11 years ago and the Daily Record had the exclusive that um, the the season was going to finish and that wasn't an April Fool's um, exclusive it was actually in March but it didn't quite come to that um, but nah I don't see it getting to that um, I know there's been games called off in Italy um, and I know um, of, of an Inter Milan game because my mate um, for his 40th went over to Milan for a trip and the morning of the game, Inter Milan versus Sampdoria was called off. So you can oh, um He got to do the stadium tour, they allowed that, but they also couldn't have the game. Mm. 
Well, maybe it is the only thing that will stop Celtic, but uh, you just never know. Uh, at the end of the day, when we were watching the game yesterday, uh, a rain-drenched McDermott, it was a perfect storm. There was a possibility of an upset, certainly, you know, when you look at the conditions and a few poor refereeing decisions, a few guys off form, you never know. But um, if they get past Aberdeen, then obviously there's there's a, a real chance. It's one of the things, can they really do that? It's an incredible... Um, it's an incredible achievement up to this point in any case, but uh, it won't be easy against Aberdeen, that's for sure. I'm not just saying that because the two joints support the Dons, but uh, we've had a few really tough ties against Aberdeen recently. I personally think at some point we're, we're due when at Hamden against Celtic. Um, I mean, we've, we've had some we've had some hard luck against Celtic, and there's been other times we've just simply not turned up. So surely at some point the law of averages, and it would. I wouldn't rule it out being the season where it's least expected, considering this is probably the season we've gone backwards um, in terms of the standards we've set the last few years, but you just never know. And it's actually frightening that the last time Aberdeen beat Celtic at Hamden was in 1992, when Ian Jess scored in the Skull Cup semi-finals it was then. Um, we haven't beat Celtic in a um, Cup semi-final or, demi- or final since then. That's it's an incredible start. It's an incredible start. I mean, just just kind of off topic a wee bit. Yesterday, I was standing next to my Celtic statement co-host Kevin at the game, and we were looking at Stevie May, and he played very very well. He looked like the St. Johnson player who was going to score if anyone was going to score. And the question was, how can a guy like that, who is so impressive playing for St. Johnson in these two spells, how can a guy like that? not do it elsewhere. I mean, obviously, as Aberdeen fans, you'd have seen him for the Dons. I thought he was a cracking signing at the time, and it didn't work out for him. He was really, he was excellent yesterday for St. Johnson. I know at Sheffield Wednesday got a bad injury, and the same happened at Preston, unfortunately. Um, with us, I think a lot of it was um, was tactical. If you look at Stephen May, um, both, both spells at St. Johnson, he's always played with a partner. First time it was Stephen McLean. This time it's been a combination of either Calm Henry or um, Chris Kane. And he, f- he fades well off that, but a lot of the time he was being asked to play Aberdeen up front on his own. Mm-hmm. But he had his better spell la- um, last season when he was playing part of a front two. In fact, it was Aberdeen's best spell of the season where we weren't far behind Celtic and Rangers at that point. And then we brought in Greg Stewart, which was to the detriment of Aberdeen Kilmarnock, who were also up there, and um, Greg Stewart himself, his- whose form suffered. I still don't know how you got the move to Rangers in the back of that, but that's another issue. Um, and Stephen May was obviously bombed out, so it's, you know, the last few weeks I would have liked Stephen May to have been there, um, given we were shot shy, um, and he's obviously picked up the goals, but it probably could just be that St Johnson's a good natural home for him, and, you know, good luck to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seems to be his comfort zone, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's a local lad as well, so maybe home comforts and that as well. He likes being there. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when he was, when Celtic's first in Lee Griffiths, he was the one I wanted Celtic to see. Um, it's just amazing how the, 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 the two parts have gone in completely different directions because obviously Griffiths has been a terrific goal scorer for Celtic when there's 29 people have scored 100 goals for Celtic. Or 28. <laughs> No, he is, you're right. And I remember myself thinking for a million quid or whatever it was at the time that, he, you know, Stephen May would have, would have been a good one for a young guy. Um, things obviously uh, didn't work out in that respect. And Lee Griffiths again worked hard yesterday. Nothing seemed to come off for him. And it was the tactical change by Lennon, you know, taking him off and then 
pushing uh, Christy up front that kind of changed it for us. So fair play to Lenny as well. We get we've got a lot of stick on Thursday night, but um, it was his changes that, that made the difference yesterday. Just, he came on for a lot of unfair criticism on Thursday as well because I know people were talking about the, the tactics and obviously that falls at the manager, but I think. Um, certainly in both legs of the Copenhagen games that, that Celtic were creating the chances you just weren't taking them um, and ultimately what's cost Celtic in the second leg has been defensive errors and you can't legislate for that as a manager No, no you're, you're absolutely right I mean, see if you look at the first leg, first first half of the first leg uh, we had we had the beating of that that team, you know, with should have been a couple of goals up mm-hmm. um, and as you say, they just uh, I mean, seven minutes to go, we were still in the tie and it's been it's been really really poor defending, so it's unfortunate. Um, it might work in the favour in terms of the, the treble, playing a few less games. But um, I think everybody would have liked to have been in the next round, and it, the the time might the actual uh, draw might have opened up for us a wee bit there. But who knows? Uh, we'll just need to tackle it again next year. But it is it's difficult to to go uh, on four fronts and, and try and win a treble when the European games are there as well. Although everybody would still love to have been involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when you consider Celtic's dominance in Scotland at the moment, even before that, my measurement of Celtic has always been how are we doing in Europe? Um, so when we were, obviously when Martin O'Neill was in charge, made the, the UEFA Cup final, we were um, against some terrific teams and beating them in the likes of the Champions League under both O'Neill and Streck and, and to some extent Lennon done it as well. Um, but we just, that was probably what let Brendan Rodgers down. Um, and Neil Lennon had kind of turned things round a bit and after such a terrific uh, group campaign it was disappointing to, for the, 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 the Copenhagen tie to end the way it did it was always as if we'd taken a step backwards to the way we were against Cluj and the, the qualifying the Champions League no, I totally agree with you I mean the big thing for me you've heard a lot of people saying Europe, European football is a bonus and I know things have changed but you're brought up you're brought up on the, the glory uh, of the European past, and it wasn't just a one-off, you know, 67. Um, if you look at, this is a, a point I'll always make when I'm speaking, um, you know, at the live event. Celtic, between 1964 and 1976, in 12 years, reached at least the quarter-final of a European tournament on nine occasions in 12 years. That's an astonishing stat. And I mean, you know, they were they were looking like a European superpower. And I think when you're brought up with, with those, uh, the footage and those memories and you start interviewing these guys, you think to yourself, yes, financially the game has, uh, is now unrecognisable. Uh, but you certainly do look at us punching above our weight. Um, and then I, we done a podcast quite recently where we were looking at the team we could have had in the last eight years, you know, the eight in a row uh, spell. And that team that we've got there now, and you throw in Van Dyke, you throw in Wanyama, Dembele, and Paddy Roberts, and then you've got a side and you start looking at that thinking, we could have done okay, you know, but these big players want to use Celtic as a stepping stone, and that's just the way things are these days. It's a sign of the times. Yeah, I think one of the big differences this season is bringing back Fraser Foster as well, because again, he's one of the men that was, was such a big player for Celtic in the early uh, seasons of the, the, the eight, hopefully nine or um, oh, and he, and the performances he had in Europe, what got him that big move down south in the first place? And then yeah. obviously he's come back up here and just proved, he, he seems to have picked up when he left off. Um, his performance in the League Cup final won the, the trophy, he pretty much kept Lazio out on two separate occasions. Um, and at the other end, we were able to score the goals, which meant we won the games. Yeah. Hey, you're lucky he probably would have lost both of those games. Yeah, 
Yeah. Forster has been Lennon's finest signing in his yeah. second spell, without a doubt. And uh, we were chatting to David Curry, who plays keyboards for Supernaturals. Um, oh, and, Super Naturals. Remember them? Ah, uh, blast for the past there. <laughs> Aye, good Aye. Um, his cousin is Stevie Woods, and Stevie Woods obviously has played a big part in Forster's uh, re-emergence. Uh, he, he played a massive part uh, in his uh, performances first time round, because I remember when we signed Forster, he had two loan spells, uh-huh. and he couldn't kick a ball, could not kick a ball, couldn't deal with a pass back. And you could actually see Woods before the game and at half time. Way Foster working well, working. And you look at the the keepers that he's worked with, Stevie Woods, you know, oh, Orange, mm-hmm. Craig Gordon, uh, and Foster. Stevie Woods is one of the unsung heroes at Celtic, certainly. And he could have, yes. he could have gone down to Leicester as well, you know. That was a phrase I was thinking of exactly, unsung hero. <laughs> yeah, he certainly done a good job. Um, well, well, so it was disappointing for Celtic on Thursday. Um, there was one Scottish team that did progress, uh, Rangers um, winning Bragg, and I think looking at the highlights of the game, it was thoroughly deserved. They missed mm-hmm. count amount of chances before the penalty. It's a definite penalty when you look at the VR, but then it's a good save for the keeper, but Rangers second half um, still soaked it up and they got the goal, and Ryan Kent, who we were criticising last week for his lack of end product, uh, does what a £7 million was um, paid to do in the Score in a big game. Yep, I, I think it's not just been us. Has been that's criticised him though. He's been getting a fair yeah. bit of criticism elsewhere as well. From Rangers fans uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Aye, um, and they're expecting more. Um, he's probably fortunate in the fact that he's not got much competition because the likes of Greg Stewart has to perform. Jordan Jones obviously injured. He's hardly ever quoted now. Oyo's not been great. Um, so he's he's playing by the factor. Maybe the lack of competition. Freaking Brandon Barker is ready for both of Ingram's, but um, aye, he did the job. Good performance from Rangers. I don't think anyone was expecting after probably the first 60 minutes of the first leg that Rangers would go through. Um, but just shows how football can be a funny old game. Yeah. So obviously they came back 1-3-2 in that match. And I would think, even going into the second leg, did many people give them much hope of getting through? I don't know. I think most folk probably thought Braga were going to take care of them quite convincingly, but really good performance from Rangers. Um, and it just baffles you how Rangers can be as good in Europe um, compared to the slip-ups in domestic. Maybe it's because they get they suit more teams coming out of them a bit more. Because um, they don't like they're not that good at breaking down teams that sit in. So I think that's maybe why they're as good in Europe just now. But they've got a tough yeah. job next Leverkusen. Oh yeah, it's, it's what um, they've said themselves is one of the favourites they've picked up. Um, but the the. They, they seem to be coming away with these lines that they prefer it when they're not the favourites. Um, mm. And it goes with what you're saying, they're not very good at breaking down the teams or are kind of stodgy. Uh, whereas the teams that come out and, and attack them, they can they can handle that and, and, and you know kind of how to unpack that kind of uh, thing. Um, certainly the, 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 the second leg against Braga, we, we, we spoke about it previously, the, the first leg, we were 2-0 down, they thought it was in dead and buried. He came back and won the game and gave themselves something to defend in the second leg. And they, put, they, did, they did everything right in uh, Portugal because all the players that needed to step up, they stepped up and played as best they could. They got the tactics right. They created all the decent chances. I don't really remember Alan McGregor having much to do in the game. Um, they probably should have went into the half-time break and the lead. Um, certainly the, the missed penalty was a, a bit of a blow. And you wondered maybe if that would have done anything negative for the mentality in the second half. But ultimately, they, they came out in the second half, got the goal. Um, which gave them the cushion and never really looked at 
conceding. It was, I, I don't know. I think they, they probably got a, a benefit out of the fact that Braga didn't seem to play as well in this setting like, as they had done for an hour in the first leg. Um, whether that's because Braga were rattled by the fact that they, they threw away the two-goal lead or um, just, I don't know, they, just, they didn't play to the best of their ability that night. But, but it worked out great for Rangers, like say, they're, they're in the last 16. Um, Leverkusen will be the favourites, but I think Braga were the favourites for us time yeah, over sort yeah. of locked them out, so... Yeah. Do you think that'll be the swan song for Stephen Gerrard after his interview after the, the Hearts game? Well, yeah, that was a very interesting way to put things. We'll go into the game itself, but the, the whole like he's going to take forty hours to consider his future um, was was very interestingly worded. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's his own personal future and whether he thinks it's time to cut ties at Rangers and, and move on for the, his own career, uh, or whether that's would I take Rangers next? Am I capable of taking Rangers anywhere next? Because um, ultimately, the team that he has now is his team. As much as he's doing great in, in Europe, and they've got a fantastic record at Ibrox in Europe especially, they're now, uh, well, assuming that Celtic are favourites with a 12-point lead uh, to clinch the ninth title in a row, they're going to finish another season without a trophy. That's two full seasons for him without a trophy, which they were saying is unheard of for a Rangers manager of any kind. Um, it's probably a good example of why Marados shouldn't be interviewed after a game. Because I think right. it's probably just been an emotional reaction at the time, mm-hmm. um, whereby he's going to say that. The one thing that you do notice with Gerard though after games, he, it happens quite a lot. I mean, the times that he's going to maybe criticise players and stuff like that in the, in the uh, interviews and different things like that, that's probably something he needs to work on in terms of his management. Um, yeah. Part of the yeah. management. That's the other things. I think it does toss them under a bus quite a bit, but I yeah. think in this instance, they probably deserved it, because for all they played really well on Wednesday night against Braga, and everybody played the, the up as best as they could in that game, nobody turned up against Hearts. I, I, literally in Morelos' case, but um, the, the, the active players that were out there were, were rotten. I mean, Edmondson's probably a great example. He had a great game against Braga. He was red rotten at Tynecastle. Yeah. Yeah, missed two good chances as well and nearly cost the um, a setting goal, but Neesmith yeah. skewed it wide. But I, I mentioned last week that I had a feeling that Hearts could do something um, because I think the cup just lifts a bit of pressure off them. They'd beaten Rangers before and it, it just seems to be that way that a team that's having such a rotten time in the league, somehow in the cup competitions it brings the best out of them. Um, and Hearts fans must be thinking, how the hell are we bottom of the league or can we play Rangers every week at Tynecastle? The, the, the bad news for them is they don't get to play Rangers again this season. No. Um, but it's interesting, it's, under Stendhal they've only won four games. Now that's three of them in the cup against Falkirk, Airdrie and Rangers. And then of course Rangers in the league as well. It's a bizarre one of the fixes. Because when they played Celtic, they looked rotten. Yep, they did. They did. I think Hearts were the team um, everybody wanted in the semi-final because we've got the beating of them. But uh, obviously we, we drew Aberdeen which will be a tougher tie, I, I believe, and I think Hibs will win the other, the other leg. But going back to Gerard, like you mentioned there, why not just send Gary McAllister out to do the interview, you know? Just stay away from the camera and calm down a wee bit and gather your thoughts and get your composure back. Um, but to come out and say that, Gerard, in many ways, uh, he's going to be looking at brand Gerard, just like Rogers did, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, and he's going to be looking at whether or not uh, staying at Rangers much longer is going to damage his brand and his 
um, opportunities elsewhere, uh, as it were, because it's quite clear that you know you'll have aspirations to go back down south, and uh, how long will that opportunity be there whilst he's at Rangers and whilst he's set and best? You know that he will be looking at that just as Rogers did. There is a mercenary element uh, to these big names coming up to Scotland, and uh, Celtic fans know that after the the Rogers situation and. Maybe Rangers fans will be suffering a wee bit of that in the not too distant future as well. Yeah, I think yeah. to be fair, uh, the difference is, I mean, Rogers portrayed himself as a big Celtic man and, you know, obviously said he was a Celtic supporter. So, so did Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say he was a big yep. Rangers man. Uh, oh, I'll give you a minute, yeah. But he's not a, he's not a Rangers man. Um, so, big Celtic man. Yeah, <laughs> Rangers fans won't be daft. I mean, they know that um, he's using Rangers as a stepping stone um, and he will move on to another level at some point but as you say um, he's got to start he needs to win a trophy um, at least in Scotland first and put up a bigger challenge to sell it they were looking good at one point and then like last season um, get carried away with the old fir- uh, an old firm win at Christmas and it's just tailed off since they've come back from Dubai um, but the, fu- the funniest uh, thing that I saw over the weekend was a uh, soccer guy on Facebook um, hashtag what's the story ball and goalie referring to Alan McGregor's tantrum at half time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as opposed to Celtic's left back. Well, yes, yes, left back yeah. now, it, seems. it was better when you did that. I just realised that when you said that. That's <laughs> that was rather embarrassing for McGregor. Too. Yeah. Oh, it's shocking! It really is. It's just, I, I, I know, I know why they're up in the morning. Um, because the end of that first half, first um, Stephen McLean will be hanging his head in shame. I would hope for that one because first things first, it's a clear penalty. Um. They've tried to defend him on sports scene, but he probably couldn't see it properly. But what does he think happened? <laughs> the, the ball accelerates off because he's literally punched it away. Oh, it's shocking. So it's a shocking decision. It uh, is. Yeah. It's just terrible. But then having given the corner, Demur then punches the ball into the net. Now, I don't know if Demur's thinking, well, if he can punch it out for the corner, I can punch it in the net and <laughs> as well. Um, but he's already on a booking. So there's no, we talked about this every week when I was talking about, you know, I wasn't sure why Christie got booked for the, the VAR penalty that he had in, in Copenhagen, because I didn't think it was deliberate. There's no doubt that the, the Mills is deliberate. Yeah. i seen claims it was a push. I don't see a push, really. Um, he's obviously went up to punch that ball. Um, so I don't yeah. understand at all why it's a, a, a yellow cap. And I can see why that's the one people should be focusing on more, because that's the one the referee saw. He obviously seen it. He gave a free kick instead of yeah. the goal. So if, he's no, if he knows what he's done, why isn't he booked for again? Steve McLean has always been a terrible referee for as long as I can remember. Um, I remember the game um, years ago, it was at Aberdeen Hearts where um, he sent Larry Kingston off at uh, Petodrian and Kingston said that the referee was a racist, not realising that Steve McLean was married to a black woman at the time, so that was a bit, um, a bit far-fetched, but he's... Even going back that far, he's always um, had a game or two where he's been dreadful. Um, I mean, we we were on the receiving end of a, a dodgy corner for, um, decision against uh, Celtic that Celtic then scored from in one and, uh, and things like that. But he's just always been a terrible referee. He's not biased, he's just poor. But you can say that for so many referees in this country, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, we saw what happened. Was, was that the last time that Celtic and Aberdeen met at Hamden when the one that was the final with um, Andrew Dallas was in charge? The last Celtic Aberdeen game at Hamden was uh, last season semi final. Are you talking about final specifically? Oh, no, yeah, I was just, I, there was a semi final as well. Yeah, yeah I'm just I was thinking about, about that. Yeah. 
Aye, it was like imagine that. It was the final, we thought. <laughs> the one, right, it was a league cup final, we understand. Yeah. Where he gave a handball for it outside the box. Which yeah. Was, which was a free kick. <laughs> aye. It wasn't even oh. a free kick, and then uh, he aye, gave a dodgy penalty against the Hearts when nobody from St Johnson was appealing for it. Aye. Yeah. And it, that had not been the worst penalty decision that week, despite the fact he'd given that one in the cup final. Yeah. Aye. <laughs> not a terrible referee. Yeah. Paul, you mentioned Hibs briefly. That was the first game of the weekend. Was Hibs and Friday night, and see, see the first half. That was a really good game of football, and um, it could have went either way at one point. Hibs missed a penalty, uh, then Marcelino makes a crucial save um, at 0 0 If that way really touches all into the post, if that goes in, it's a different game. Inverness being in front, and then it, Hibs scored just before half time. But then once Hibs go to up, uh, it was just pretty much game over, and I think. Five to almost flatter Cali this on the end from that point of view, but uh, it was a, but it was weird at half time. We were talking about the Aberdeen game. You didn't see seven goals in this game. You didn't see it being a three goal win for Hibs at half time in this game because it was really close. No, absolutely. I mean, Hibs, Hibs are a side. Uh, I, I've followed Jack Rossi's career quite closely, and when he went down to Sunderland, I thought they probably disposed of them far too prematurely. Um, Jack's assistant a guy called John Potter who played in the same team as myself when we were growing up. So I've kind of always kept an eye out for John. John's a, a great guy. Comes from a really good footballing family. So when they went to, to Hibs, I, I did look at that and I thought, you know, the only thing that held them back at Sunderland was 1-1 draws. I'm not a betting man, but by God, they must have had 19 1-1 draws. They were, a, they were a certainty to draw one each. It was unbelievable. <laughs> But when it came to Hibs, what I thought back to was uh, the performances of Jack Cross's Alawa and St Mirren's sides against Celtic at Celtic Park. Yep. And the the reaction of Brennan Rodgers after the game. I mean, he lauded Jack Cross. And there's a few Celtic fans kind of thought, you know, there, there's a man there, you know, who, if he goes down to England to Sunderland, does well. He might come back up managers at some stage. Uh, the results were not talk about, Yeah, not Scotland not manager was job. job at one point by Celtic. Right, I mean that, that's interesting. Aye, uh, that that is interesting. I mean, obviously, um, he's still still your manager, and I, I think I think they are the dark horses of this competition, and that's down to Jack Ross and John Potter, uh, great management team, and I just think you know that that could be the the proper proper team to watch. I think they'll get through against Hearts without any issue, um, and if if Celtic get through or if the two Johns Aberdeen gets through. I think Hibs are going to, you know, they're going to be a tough, tough uh, team to play uh, in the final if it gets to that stage. I think I the final one lost twenty twenty as well. Yeah, I think the final, whoever um, the two teams are, um, it'll be a tough game. You know, Celtic Hearts last season was obviously tough. If Celtic get Hibs, that'll be a really um, tough affair in Aberdeen versus either side. It's not. Cut and dry that Celtic's going to win the Scottish Cup. And no. Let's hope that's certainly no. the case come the semi-final. But it, um, <laughs> if the teams, um, if every team performs their best, I think you're in for two cracking games. Um, we've not covered Aberdeen's game yet, um, but that was a that was a professional performance from Aberdeen. I thought um, it, it wasn't pretty. How often do we say that this season? But um, we got the early goal and. I don't know what game Jim Goodman was watching. Where was St. Murn the better team? How can you be the better side if you only test Joe Lewis once? Yeah, um, the only thing you can say is they had more possession. That's one thing, but aye, there was only one shot and goal and that was it. I think he was maybe just 
maybe frustrated the fact that we defended so well. Yeah. Well, but you can go off to watch a better start with Ferguson's goal. Terrific. I was talking to you guys, and I was trying to go home from Glasgow, I was out in Glasgow and, and Saturday, I was like, oh, I got home in time for the kick-off, and again, just in time for that goal, so it was perfect timing, um, and that's something, obviously, Ferguson's capable of, I, the midfield, I like the balance in the midfield three on Saturday, with Campbell, Oyo and Ferguson, Oyo gives a good platform to play anyway, because he's kind of pretty solid there, Campbell wants to go forward, and then it allows Ferguson to make kind of light runs into the box as well. Because I think Ferguson's got everything um, that would suggest that he should easily be getting double figures each season. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for, for me, for me, Ferguson scored the, the, the goal of the, the round. Um, I, did, I, I did think it was going to be Aubameyang, Aubameyanga for Hibs. I thought I was a cracking strike as well. But the, the technique of Ferguson's, I think, is the one that clinches it. Because he does that with the outside of his boot. Yeah. Into the top corner. It's a f- terrific strike. Um and it was the one bit of brilliance in that game, I think, um, because, as you say, I don't think Aberdeen really troubled the, the summer and go much beyond that. And you're right, it wasn't any better at the other end. Uh, it's Joe Lewis had one save to make. Um, so yeah. i do not entirely sure what Jim Goodwin was talking about, but maybe he was talking about more possession. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a great game. Well that season. We struggled as well that season. We'd lost and drew. So, nice to get a win at the right time. And then the surprising thing was when we were 1-0, St Mirren maybe looking like they might come back into the game and then Cosgrove come on for Campbell. Because usually uh, McInnes would try and make it a bit tighter and defend a bit more, but Cosgrove comes on, good drawn into the box, wins a penalty and then steps up and scores. It's only like 17 penalties he scored for Aberdeen now. Mm-hmm. He only missed one. Yeah. So, good record so there. Good, good, good fun, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so, go back to the Hibs game, actually. Um, uh, the big turning point for me was the second goal because it's a great breakaway. Should have been an Inverness penalty. Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. It Definitely a game changer. And given that if he gives that penalty, it's a chance for Inverness to go one each. And that's when the very next thing that happens. Is, like, let's say, terrific break up the park. Well finished by Scott Allen. Um, but suddenly 2 0. Inverness are pretty much chasing their tails after that. The one thing that comes from the Hibs game as well is who has a penalty for them next. I've seen a bit of criticism that Hanlon got to it, but he'd, I'd, I'd read actually there was a, a article I'd read earlier in the week and he scored four penalties and penalty shouts. So that's why he's maybe given up, plus he's a captain, so maybe he's gone right, I'll hit it, I'm confident, let's go, but I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting to see who, who gets the shout next time. Yeah, it's fair playing for stepping forwards and where others are shying away. Um, what what I never like about the whole situation, he seemed to grab the ball off McNulty. See, um, when you get those situations where two players are arguing over who takes it, usually what ends up happening is the person who ends up taking the penalty misses it. I mean, mm-hmm. it tends to happen a lot. That's the bit I don't particularly like about it. Jack says he likes the players aside as well. There's no one nominated penalty taker. That's basically who he was confident on the day. The one I always remember is John Maloney and Simon Lynch <laughs> fighting over a penalty at Tynecastle because the two of them had scored two goals each. Yeah. Well, I remember Maloney won the fight and missed the penalty. <laughs> That's right, I remember it well. I spoke to Simon about that as well when I was working on his dad's book. Um, it was quite embarrassing, wasn't it? Because the game was live on the telly. I, 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 
I mean, I, I was, I was well, I mean, it was early on in Maloney's uh, career as well as, as Simon's. Um, so I think it was, it was put down as two youngsters or dead keen to get a hat trick. <laughs> um, so you can probably forgive it. Yeah. And we won the game anyway. It was a four one or something. For yeah. So that sets up um, two semi-finals: um, Aberdeen Celtic and Hearts Hibs. And the big, the big thing is going to be when are they getting played? Um, because they should be getting played this Saturday, Sunday. I think um, they should do what they did uh, for the League Cup semi-finals and have the two of them on a Saturday or a Sunday, one at Hamden, one at Murrayfield. But that will not happen because SFA won't want to give the money to Scottish rugby. Um, even though Scottish football has benefited from rugby matches being held at football grounds. Yeah. Um, so the, the sensible thing for me would be to play the Edinburgh Derby at Murrayfield, the Celtic Aberdeen game at Hamden, schedule the two of them for a Sunday and let Rangers and St Johnson play their game in hand in the league in the Saturday. Well, I think that's happening. There was talk earlier saying that Rangers and St Johnson are likely to play that weekend, but obviously at a different time to whatever the two games are. Almost guaranteed Celtic Aberdeen will be a Sunday. I hope I not, because so. the sensible thing would be to make the Edmund Arby a Sunday. Aye, exactly. So that's why Celtic yeah. Aberdeen will be a Sunday, because there won't be any sensible... <laughs> It's happened numerous times in Aberdeen have drawn Celtic that's ended up being a Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. Pre- Premier Sports hold aces and stuff like that. Yeah, Premier Sports hold aces with this because they have um, what's called option um, option one and option two. Now, if they option one game, they have it themselves. Option two, they let the BBC have it. Yeah, what were the kickoff times last year? I don't remember. Two years ago. When it was, what time was it? The Saturday. I think Hearts and Inverness was 12:15 on the Saturday, and Aberdeen Sales it was 2 p.m. on the Sunday. So that wasn't too bad because that was obviously um, Premier Sports um, first year. But I think Sky the year before it was just 12 and 12:15. So Premier Premier Sports are likely then to go with the Sunday because then they'll be up against the English game. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they'll put Celtic Aberdeen as option one because that means that they'll get the Celtic subscribers that way, whereas if they yep. gave Celtic the BBC option, more people watch the BBC. Yep. Aye, probably. So, we get a free to air in the derby. Mm-hmm. They've got to practice tomorrow night anyway. Yes, yeah. is that on the telly tomorrow? I think BT have got it. I think BT have got two BT's games got. this week. Aye. One. Because there's no Champions League this week, so we're not we're not screwed over by the exclusivity causes that they've got. No, can actually show some games this week. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, the Edinburgh Derby is Tuesday, um, and then it's uh, Celtic's visit to Livingston on Wednesday. Yes. One of the places we've Aberdeen lost Aberdeen go back. This season. Uh, yep. Aberdeen go back to Kilmarnock as well. Almost guaranteed I've got a ticket, it'll be narrow again like the first game of the season. There's no way it'll be anything like what that game was uh, like in the Scottish Cup. I would be very surprised. I don't even know why I'm going because generally games against Kilmarnock are dire to watch, but yeah, I'm going anyway. So. And, and, and Paul, for you, will you be in the, the stands at the Spaghetti Hard or will you have um, VIP <laughs> suite? No VIPs this, this week, unfortunately. And, and I was in the the rain yesterday as well, but um, no, I actually won't be there. I was just talking to my, uh, my comrades today, and we, we don't have tickets for the game, so I'll just be trying to tune in by any uh, other method, probably illegal. So, 
to keep an eye on that. <laughs> Don't be giving our podcast a bad day. We don't advocate that. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, He's trying to eliminate the competition. Sabotage. Sabotage. No, this ain't a competition. I was swore there. That wouldn't be like me. No, it wouldn't be at all, eh, Bum? No, at all. It was interesting though, we ran a poll over the weekend about who would finish third, and actually the overwhelming majority went to Aberdeen, 55%, which I was quite surprised at. I actually think Hibs are favourites. I think they're in good form, I know they're Actually, the team that's lost in the league, but I think I was all finished. Third. It's not a bad show, that. Yeah, it's not a bad show. As long as they didn't fall into the trap of drawing 1 1 every week, I think they'll be fine. But um, it's because they've got that momentum and they've got that Jack Ross factor, I think yep. you know, they'll certainly claim a few spaces. Um, and no, I, I wouldn't be against that. I hope I'm going wrong. I want, I want Aberdeen obviously to win his third. But I've just got, yeah, I think, like you say, momentum um, counts for a lot. See, to be honest, they can have third in weekend of the Scottish Cup. We haven't won that in 30 years. Aye, that, um, they haven't been third for a while. <laughs> I would happily, happily take that, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, but we, the talk as, talk as well, do you think, I know folk are saying about hearts and their safety, do you think they would take a Scottish Cup win over safety? Who hearts? Aye. That's oh, a tough week to get back out of. That's the biggest problem. Obviously, Dundee United have, uh, have tried a few times now uh, to get out of that league. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. The silverware over over your position in the league, I'd certainly, you know, and this is just me being selfish, I'd certainly uh, much prefer Hearts in the league than a couple of other sides that are doing their fighting against them. But that's just, that's just me, you know. Dundee United stumbling at the moment. I mean, they're lucky they've got an 18-point advantage with them. Um, Having played two games more, um, otherwise they could have been hauled back down a little bit. But um, yeah, they're making a pig's ear of, of things recently. The latest one, beaten by Dunfermline. Um, and yeah, that's an interesting battle for second to fourth um, because um, the gap between Inverness, who have two games in hand, by the way, um, to Arbroath, who are in seventh, is five points. Team to watch as well is Morton, who are eight games unbeaten. Mm hmm. Good one at the weekend. I mean, Queen mm-hmm. is out or dire just now, but yeah, more than a team to watch there. Because yeah. Dundee have been struggling recently. Mm-hmm. They are going through their usual inconsistency. Yeah. Um, what kind of effects finally coming off for Morton? Um, he was yeah, having problems with the away form. Mm. The home form was okay, Aye. but it was the away form that they were absolutely right rotten, but that's turned around a bit for them. Mm-hmm. Was it not the season that Livingston came up? Did they not make a light push as well? Well, I, I think, think so. I think they were a light push for the playoffs and then obviously progressed through the playoffs all the way to the top yeah. point. Yeah. And then they've kicked on since then. Um, right. But yeah, Morn have got tough nuts four games. I think they've got Dundee United, I think they've got Dunfermline and Inverness to play. So, a lot, and a brawl actually. So they've got four right tough fixtures coming up. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good, it's a right tight league. I was kind of keeping an eye on Alawa. Uh, because obviously Peter Grant who will be playing in the charity match uh, took over there uh, hopefully they'll stay up and the pars uh, I'm actually based in Dunfermline so I keep an eye on the pars and they've obviously got uh, the boy Nisbet scoring a lot of goals in there I was surprised they held on to him after January to be honest apparently there was a couple of bids came in for him so yeah. they've done well to keep a hold of Nisbet and Afal Abbey the, the boy they've got on loan for Celtic um, seemed to play well against Dundee United so you know, they, they might keep up if they can get that 
that momentum again. Stevie Crawford's up there. He's on month-to-month contracts up at Dunfermline, but you know, they, you know, hopefully they can, hopefully they can draw a few uh, results together. Because I mean, you look at East End Park. There was over six thousand there at the weekend, which is fantastic. It's a great East stadium, you know. Uh, it's a great, a great place to visit. The the uh, Brady's always went down well uh, with a few mates of mine. <laughs> One of the better visits to go to. Um, but, but, How many times have you mentioned their Bridies? You, uh, you're on to try and get them some freebies there. You were laughing. I don't like them. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of them. I'm not a Bridie fan either. <laughs> <laughs> I know plenty of people that are, though. So, well, aye, there's, there's, there's a lot of. Um, there's a good size to them up there. I've got good memories of them filming as well. Cause, um, but, I mean, again, I was mentioning last week, the fact that we beat them in uh, Cup Finals in 2004 and 2007. Because. McGuire and uh, Gary Dempsey, two men who've been involved in a charity match, were also involved in those games. Yeah. Uh, Gary Dempsey's not in the charity game, but we were speaking to him about the mental health stuff just to clarify that. Do I? Yeah. Uh, and he's been named to the ambassador now for back on side. Uh, so that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I feel fixture card in the championship. That's midweek as well. Air Dundee United, Dundee Alloa, Inverness, Greenock, Morton, Thistle, Queen of the South, and Arbroath and Fairman. So. What's the football to be played this third week? Yeah. So there was a, there was a few shocks on Saturday. So obviously we've mentioned uh, that the Rangers' defeat to Hearts was a shock, and the uh, United's defeat to Vim was a shock. Even though some people would have predicted both of those, um, League One was uh, full of shocks because <laughs> four cup race overs and they all get beat the top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, th- I think Falkirk, uh, Clyde have got their number on Falkirk this season. I think that's three, three wins they've had against them this season. Um, which will probably frustrate them a little bit because they've ended up near the league all season, but they've started to pull away with that result. Um, but yeah, Wraith going down to the Barton was a sickener for them because um, they could have opened up a gap. But East Fife are probably the benefactors um, of the weekend because they won at Forfar and they're now back level on points with Airdrie. Yeah. And Montrose aren't too far behind them. They're four points behind with a with two games in hand, and um, they've won all four home games this calendar year. Do you think it's a four-way race then now? It's a bit more looking like it now than it was before, now. Mm-hmm. Possibly five if you count Montrose, depending on how they get them with their game in hand. Um, oh, yeah. But Dumbarton's the mid-table obscurity. Um, they're not close enough to the playoffs, mm. not close enough to the allegation. Um, yeah, I think their season will peter out. I think the League 2 Championships, Peter and about as well. Um, yeah. Cove winning 3 0 at the Stanish Muir and both Cove and Beast and Edmund City drawing each other. One each for a 10 point gap now. Start all is done. Aye. And then going down, uh, going to mention the lower league because it was a big game at the weekend. Kelty and Bonnie Dick, top of the table clash. And Kelty won 3 2. So they've now got a 6 point lead, but Bonnie Dick got a game in hand. Surely between those two, there's no one else that's going to. Well, BSE Glasgow, could they come? Well, they maybe could. But I think they're a wee bit, they're probably too far behind. They've got a few games in hand, but I think they're too far behind to get into title contention. And then the Highland League looks like it's probably done and dusted with Brother Rangers at the top of the table. Ten points clear at Inverurie. Yeah. Well, now that we've concluded um, a round up of the weekend's action, um, we should start speaking to our guest this week a bit more detail. Paul, um, just tell us a bit more about how SLT State of Mind got started. Where did the idea come from? 
It came from the fact I was I was doing a lot of interviews. My my books that I've written have all been interview based, um, simply because uh, my previous jobs were interview based, and I enjoyed interviewing people and what I call getting under their floorboards, you know, finding out what their state of mind is. Um, but also what I found when I was interviewing for books, I'd maybe interview 50 individuals and a very, very small percentage of the interviews made it into the final book uh, because they would go off in tangents and it was fantastic to hear all the stories as a football fan and as a Celtic fan. Um, so I had, you know, I had a couple of hundred tapes of interviews, uh, many of which didn't even make it into any of my books. So... I, th- I thought to myself there had to be a platform where you could you could do that and just put the whole lot out there for the enjoyment of Celtic fans, and that's where the initial idea came up. I was um, I was chatting away uh, to to Kevin Graham. Kevin Graham has been involved in the Celtic affiliation for many many years, and we have got uh, probably a similar taste in a few different things, be that music, film, culture, you know that kind of thing. And there's a few good, very good Celtic podcasts out there. So I wanted to do something a wee bit different. Um, so although there will be far more content coming up in the not-too-distant future, uh, which will be covering topical issues, uh, the, the main kind of flagship podcast, if you like, was a one-on-one interview uh, with someone who had a Celtic state of mind, you know, someone who supported Celtic. And uh, another interesting story to tell, so... It, it was musicians, it was uh, actors, comedians, and uh, every week you get a wee slab of uh, somebody's story. It's, it's greatly enjoyable. I loved it. And it went a wee bit mad because within the first year, I got this email basically saying we'd been, a, we'd been nominated for an award. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then if you read further down, it says you've been nominated along with 32,000 other podcasts. So... <laughs> I thought, ah, no chance. And then we got shortlisted, which was bizarre, really bizarre, uh, as up for a new podcast. And what that meant was there was 10 pods in the shortlist, and I got invited down to Alexandra Palace, which I thought was great because I'm a massive Stone Roses fan, and obviously one of their biggest, most iconic gigs was at the Alley Pally. So I got all suited up, and I couldn't find anybody to come down with me, believe it or not. I had two tickets. Uh, my missus didn't fancy it. <laughs> And the other guys involved in the podcast were busy. So I took my old dad. I said, you know, we'll get a free meal. That'll be it. And we'll come back up the road. Lo and behold, won the prize, best UK podcast. And it was just incredible. It was live. It was being, being streamed live on Sky Sports website. And my phone just went daft inside my, my suit jacket. And uh, it's been a bit uh, of a meteoric kind of rise since then. Got a sponsorship deal. Uh, which has allowed me uh, recently to go full-time on it. So kind of building it to a multimedia platform, live events, videos. And we're publishing our first book next month as well. So it's all about bespoke content, you know, creating your own your own content. That's what it's all about. That's it. See, this, so, is, this is what's possible when you actually put the effort in and don't do it like we've been doing it and just turn up the Skype <laughs> once a week. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean... The thing is, well, I, I was I was surprised as anybody um, with the award. So the award was incredible. It's just sitting on my my stereo. I still have a stereo, you know. I'm showing my age here. Um, it's sitting on my stereo. It takes cassettes as well, believe it or not. And um, so I'm thinking back to that night. That was an incredible night. Um, and I was speaking to the judge, the actual judge that made the final decision. 
And I think I, it was a wee bit of fortune because he'd listened into my interview with Neil Lennon. And that's what, that's what kind of made him decide that my, my podcast would get the awards. And it was funny though, because I mean, I was sitting at tables with people who were like proper media faces and, uh, they had a bit of finance behind them and not one of them wished me all the best when I won it. So get it up you, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I think that the certain people just have a knack of being able to interview. I'm not very good at it. John, you know, well, not taking any credit for it at all. I think he's a terrific interview. Um, certainly, Paul, the interviews I've heard you do have been fantastic. Um, when I used to be on the Lost Boys podcast, I thought Chris McGuigan was a tremendous interviewer as well. Um, and that, that, they were always my favourite podcast that he did was when he was interviewing the ex-players. And that, that, that's it, we're talking 10 years ago now he was doing this. Um, and it's just, it's, it's kind of snowballed, isn't it? Like, there's so many podcasts out there doing the, the, the same kind of things they were doing back then. Mm-hmm. Just, they're kind of taking it to new levels and to, the, the, the content that's being produced by fans. And that's just the key. It's the fans that are producing it, it's not the clubs, it's not yeah. media outlets, it's the fans themselves that are doing it. It's been mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic to watch the growth of it. Oh, I mean, you're right. I, I listened to the, that podcast, I was on it once, I think. Um, or maybe they didn't use the actual uh, the recording, but I certainly got interviewed on one occasion. I, I love the interview side because my job yeah. for 12 years was was basically interviewing people uh, about things they didn't want to speak about. So uh, when you then sit down and you want to talk to somebody about Celtic or their careers and they want to open up and, and they're interested and they're engaging, it's, uh, it's so enjoyable. You know yourself, if you enjoy interviewing them, it's going to be a good listen. And mm-hmm. the... the the, the satisfying thing as well is we can interview somebody that's really well known one week and then interview an unsigned artist the next week and, you know, put it out on the same platform under the Axon banner and somebody who's maybe tuned in because they like maybe James Allen from Las Vegas might get switched on to somebody they've never heard of, you know, so that that's satisfying and mm-hmm. I like the music side of it so we do a lot of acoustic sessions, we've actually recorded 10 we get people in to do the acoustic sessions in the recording studio, like a live lounge, you know. And uh, we get it all mixed up. And, you know, it costs a few quid extra, but I think it's worthwhile because I always wanted to try and get it broadcast standard. Some of the early ones around the kitchen table, you can hear my beard crying up the stairs and <laughs> the wife slamming doors and stuff like that. But now we do it in a, we do it in a wee uh, recording studio in Stirling, and it's great fun. We've got to know the guys really well as well. Um the funny thing about that though is I remember listening to the early podcast Celtic State of Mind and I thought the sound quality of that was far better than most of the other podcasts I listened to at the time um, and we're talking like at the time I was listening to a lot of podcasts so I thought the, the standard was always up there so to, my brain would take that to an even higher level was just fantastic well the big thing now is uh as you say, the standard's brilliant, and to be honest with you, there's no, there's no like competition. Um, I mean, the 20 minute Tim's guys and that come along at an event of ours and that kind of stuff. There's no competition whatsoever. I think everybody's quite happy as long as it's good content, you know. And um, I'm moving into a wee bit of uh, kind of different territory in the next couple of months, um, doing a lot more video. Got a lot of good ideas on trying to keep the thing fresh, you know. So. Uh, we're gonna, I we're just gonna keep, keep going with the, the content. We've done daily content every single day on the website for over a year now. 
And that was my first target, is to have that daily content and keep it quality rather than putting out 12 stories that are really just pinging up. That, that's basically what a lot of the, the news sites do. They're just you know plagiarising somebody else's story. So I, I really try and avoid that. I try and avoid that, uh, like the plague, actually. But I, there's nothing wrong with looking at a story and then giving you an opinion piece. That's brilliant, you know, and actually doing a wee bit of writing, a wee bit of creative writing on it. But... Um, all the, the quick news stuff doesn't interest me in the slightest. So we'll try and keep away from that and uh, keep trying to get interesting people on the show and chatting away with them and, and doing it like a video stroke podcast. Whatever you see on the screen will also be a podcast later in the week, that kind of style as well. The live events are brilliant. Um, it's a different element, a different dynamic. Um, so I, I love it. And as I say, I'll be working far more hours on it in the next few months so hopefully people that tune in will, will notice a, an upsurge in content as well yeah i've seen recently sure. that you've been um, speaking to uh, danny mcgrain and you've got future events uh, coming up with paddy mccourt and john hartson and chris sutton um how much a thrill do you get through those um speakers nights oh uh, it's really it's incredible because that was not certainly not by design Um i was in a situation at one on one occasion where Nobody would launch my book for me, and so I had to do it myself. And from that, I got offered a, a wee charity event, and it kind of grew. But as you say, you, you find yourself in some surreal situations. I mean, I've got one of John Hartson's suit up the stairs in my, my wardrobe <laughs> that he left in my car, right? But you find yourself in bizarre situations like that. You know, drive her up to Inverness with Chris Sutton and just tune the fat with Chris, and it's, it's all a bit bizarre. Um, but really, really enjoyable. Danny McGrain is one of the most naturally funny guys you'll ever meet. Um, and he doesn't even realise it. He doesn't even realise how funny he is. Uh, but all, all of the, everybody's fantastic. The one guy in the next few weeks that I'm probably a bit nervous about is Martin O'Neill. Uh, but John, uh, John Hartson and Chris Sutton say they're nervous about it as well. Because I, <laughs> he's still a gaffer. So, uh, I, I love, I love all the guys. The, the controversial one, of course, was Paolo Di Canio. Uh, there was a there was an event last year with with the and there was a quite a bit of controversy around about that. And uh, certain people thought I was wrong to interview him because of his uh, fascist political views. Um, but I wanted to interview him to challenge him about that and, and ask him, uh, you know, if there was any regret for bringing his politics in, into the football arena because you know he's unemployable in British football as a result of that. So. Um, it's not as black and white as just saying, oh, you don't interview a fascist. You know, I'd much rather speak to someone who was without doubt in my lifetime one of the most talented footballers I've ever seen at Celtic Park. And, uh, you know, there's a strange dichotomy between the football ability and these absurd political views. But uh, eventually that, that gig was pulled because the Celtic fans said it shouldn't happen. So that's just the way it went. I, I would tend to agree with you on this actually because I would rather, rather I would rather they were challenged on it and they were mm. asked about it and mm. the the other side of the coin is put straight at them so that they can answer back than just be shut out completely. I, I, I would rather they would be challenged people like that. And I think mm. the ultimate goal, and I would want I, I'd put this challenge out to any podcast out there. Go and get a certain Celtic player that scored off street and then um, signed for Rangers a few years later and talk to him. I want to see. I want to hear an interview with Morris Johnson. I would tune into that interview myself. And this this is the big thing. This is the argument. I mean, in terms of politics, I'm I'm not shy to say that my dad was a striking miner. We went through twelve months of absolute hell under you know 
Margaret Thatcher, and I'm I'm left wing uh, every single day of the week. Um, so nobody could question my politics, but people did question you because you decided that you were going to actually share a room and share some, you know, oxygen with this this parasite. And I thought, well, to Canio, um, I, I want to question him. I, I really do. I want to question him about his politics. Mm-hmm. Morris Johnson would interview him in a second in a heartbeat because I still can't understand why he did what he did. Yeah. And I've heard some incredible stories about people who are round about that situation. And I think yeah. there's an untold story there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently he had better offers from, um, I think Torino was one of the clubs off the top of my head, um, that apparently he was offered more money. But I think it was just the the whole um, you know, headline act with, with Rangers because this was their statement signing to, you know, try and move away from bigotry, which is obviously the right thing to do uh, from their point of view. To, um, but it certainly caused controversy at the time. But I th- that, that would be that'd be brilliant. If, uh, that should be your next project now you're in full time. Get an interview <laughs> with Morris Johnson and say why. <laughs> You've thrown down the gauntlet. You've thrown down the gauntlet, mm-hmm. and I'll yeah. be looking at uh, his whereabouts as soon as we finish this discussion to try and. Uh, track them down because that's what I do. <laughs> I, I, I suspect there won't be many people listening to it, but I certainly would. Oh, I think well, there'll be loads of people listening to that. To be fair, I, I think there'll be more people be listening to that than those that um, bought Craig White's book. Um, I, I think I'm interviewing more interested to be more interesting. But Craig White's got to say, you know, the thing, that that period uh, there was a series of podcasts we've done, and there's a few other guys I want to interview as well. Around about the you know the takeover and, and Celtic's demise financially in the eighties and nineties, and we spoke to uh, an ex-director called Tom Grant, who's an absolute gent of a man, a proper Celtic fan, and uh, he gave us a few insights into that Morris Johnson deal that really raised a few eyebrows in the studio that day because it was things that hadn't really been made public knowledge until then. Um, so I, I would I would love to get to the bottom of that story. I don't think the full story has been told. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I know really, I know a journalist that interviewed him fairly recently, so I might phone him and try and get a, a number or a contact for him. Now that you've challenged me, <laughs> there you go. There's the good. Let's have a go. Um, I mean, tell us about the first bit that you wrote. Um, the Quality Street Gang. Uh, uh, is that the first bit or is Wikipedia lying? No, that was I, that was the first book I wrote. Um, the, the first book that was published, actually. Uh, yeah. I did write See, another. It was nominated as well, top twenty books in Scotsman. Is that accurate? It was. It's a terrific book. It was. Actually, the strangest thing about that book is it's it's kind of uh, taking a wee life of. If it wasn't for that that book, probably I wouldn't be chatting to you because I grew up in a tiny wee mining village in Fife called Ty Valleyfield, and there was an iconic figure in Celtic's history that came from that village called George Conley, who was one of the most pivotal members of that Quality Street Gang team. And uh, we grew up uh, hearing stories of this this genius who used to walk about the streets of Valleyfield doing keep-uppies in his wellies. And um, in Valleyfield, the only thing that you did is you left the school and you went down the pit. So it was an unusual... He was an anomaly, Um and he grew, you grew up, he was a mythical character, and I always vowed that I wanted to find out more. And that's where the Quality Street Gang idea came from. Um, I was then looking at this image of the team uh, when they were 18 years of age in 1968, and I, I made it uh, my challenge to interview everybody in the team. And there was 19 in that team, and I interviewed all of them eventually. Two of, them, two of the interviews never made it into the book, but I did interview all of them eventually. Um, and it was just fantastic speaking to the likes of George, um, 
who I'm glad to say is on the straight and narrow, and he's very healthy and, and he's sober, he has been for five, six years now. That's Kenny Dalgleish, Lou McCarry, the late Paul Wilson, David Hay, interviewed all the guys, and a lot of Celtic legends round about the team. Um, I had the, the great pleasure of interviewing a lot of the Lisbon Lions, some of whom have passed away now. So that experience was just astonishing. Um, and to, to be nominated or named in the top 20 books to the, the Scotsman was, was a, a real thrill for me. And on the back of that, I decided uh, I was going to write a, a book that wasn't Celtic-related. Um, but just the, the whole cycle of events afterwards meant that uh, I got to know Neely Mocking, and that led me on to the... Neely Mocking Jr., that is. That led me on to the second book, and it's just kind of continued for there. My fourth book is due to be released in September, and I'm editing a book that's going to be coming out uh, next month. So, uh, it's been a great journey, and I've met so many interesting and, and truly wonderful human beings uh, doing it. And I love it, and it's always interview-based. I like to unearth new information, uh, the archive stuff's great, but anybody can do it. Anybody can go to the library and get the details and the stats. So I like to speak to people and they tell you some nuggets of information, some of which you can't print, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I kept all the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, and it tell us a bit about the, the Celtic Greats um, games. That, uh, I, I see the podcast is obviously sponsoring uh, the Celtic Greats team. What's it like playing... You know, in the same team as like um, Simon Donnelly, Jackie McNamara, Bobby Petter, to name a few. It's it's quite bizarre. Going back to what I said a, a wee bit earlier about uh, surreal experiences and you're getting changed alongside the guys you've mentioned: Rudy Vatter, uh, yeah, Craig Beatty, Mark Wilson, Brian McClare, Tom Boyd. Uh, it's just incredible. And then you've got Z listers like myself, Tommy Sheridan, Simon Weir. And every one of us, in fact, I'm not even a Zedder. I'm below that. And uh, <laughs> we play. So I was speaking to uh, Bernie, who runs it. Bernie's a great lad. He runs the games. And um, I, I did I say to him, you know, I'd love to sponsor the jerseys and get the name of the podcast on the hoops. Um, so we, we've we been playing probably once a quarter. And there's a, there's a fierce rivalry. I mean, we're playing up against... Let me tell you, Charlie Miller is the greatest footballer I've ever shared the football park with. And I have made the senior game or whatever, but I played with a lot of good players when I was younger. Charlie Miller's unbelievable. What a player at this age. He's, he's astonishing as a footballer. Um, Andy McLaren plays, cracking player, cracking guy as well. Uh, Alex Ray, so about, yeah, honestly, I thought he was going to smash me one day because I, I snapped him, but it was through my own face. <laughs> it was my own lucky face. It was, there was nothing intentional. And he just gave me that look. So uh, I'm sure he'll get me back sometime. But yeah, we, we normally play. We try and take the game around Scotland and raise money for local uh, food banks and, and, and give as much as we can to the local food banks. Uh, but it's great fun. And at my age, it gives me uh, a target to remain... Uh, or maintain rather a, a certain level of fitness, you know, because sometimes it's hard when you're juggling other things. So mm-hmm. it's good in that respect. It gets me out in the roads running and stuff, which I, I really used to enjoy when I was younger. So I love it. And again, t- tapping into what we're talking about as well, all that kind of stuff is great for your, your mental well-being, uh, maintaining a good uh, standard of fitness and all that kind of stuff. You know, you feel so much better, uh, even though when it's cold and outside, it, it can be. It can be a tough, it can be a tough ask, but uh, the Celtic greats are great for that. Uh, but one thing I would say, did, did hear a gap uh, 
was playing right wing one day and I was right back and he was murder. He was murder. <laughs> and uh, I was like, are you an imposter? Are you actually did get a gap? The guy that we remember in the UEFA Cup final. But aye, he was, he was terrible. So hopefully he's not listening to this podcast. If he's got Twitter, we'll tag him in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just how big a motivator is Frank, um, Frank McGarvey? Um, you've obviously told us in a separate chat um, that this is one to look forward to, and I know Chris is looking forward to it. So just give an insight without going into too much um, what the, your Celtic team should be looking forward to this should be looking forward to is, is um, Frank talking in riddles uh, probably saying in two <laughs> left backs <suit. laughs> 13 players will be on the pitch at some point uh, he'll fall out with one of the players and uh, but he, he's very very turn, he's turned out like, like a bookie he's got a beautiful hat and the suit and all that brilliant and he's just <laughs> he's just great uh, centre forwards are not allowed to go in their own half so if you're playing up front, you're in for an easy afternoon. Doesn't he believe in them defending? It's just a great laugh. I mean, he asks me every time where I play, I tell him full back so he plays me centre mid. It's great. <laughs> Superb. Aye. Aye, sorry, I'll show my video and you'll know what me in it. I mean, it was not at all. Aye, you would have been left back in the dressing room, but if you showed him that. <laughs> oh, he's great fun. In all seriousness, Frank is great fun. And uh, a, a lovely human being. Uh, and really, really funny, and he'll add a bit of colour to the day. And obviously, uh, Granty was was his teammate for many years, and I'm sure he'll be delighted to meet up again after all these years. But Frank's a great guy. Love, love him to bits. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And th- as I said before, thanks for um, getting Frank. Um, and we're obviously looking forward to Peter Grant playing. I checked in with him last week. He just said, yep, yeah, still in. Uh, keep me reminded. Barry Smith um, obviously had a good solid career. Um, Mainly with Dundee, but he started at Celtic. Um, just competition. Um, Jackie McNamara's a better player, and then Paul Lawson um, playing. And yeah, I'm not looking. I, I, I must say, I'm definitely not putting myself at centre back because um, you've got Gary O'Connor. <laughs> I, I don't think um, many people be queuing up to mark him apart from uh, Phil McGuire. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see O'Connor. I mean, I. I... Looking back to the, that Hibs crop of players that he came through with, you know, uh, within a couple of years, and you had your Fletcher and Riordan, Scott Brown, Whitaker, um, you know, Thompson. It was just a golden era for Hibs, and O'Connor was part of that, you know, and it was just a great crop of young guys coming through. Uh, and I don't know what age Gary is and, and Derek Riordan, but you just felt that maybe they had two or three years left in them before. Um, you know, quitting the game. So it'll be great to see the guy uh, on the pitch. It'll be great yeah. to see the pitch with him. Man. Yeah, so he's a massive ambassador for um, the back and side because he's obviously talked quite openly. In fact, he's got a documentary coming out um, on BBC at some point, um, but they've not confirmed the date yet. So that'll be quite an interesting case. People have a perception about O'Connor, um, but it'll be interesting to see the up the other side. And of course, from the Aberdeen side, we've got. Uh, Phil McGuire, who was on last week, spoke brilliantly. Um, I've got Jamie Winter, ambassador for charity. He's coming on the podcast um, in the week leading up to the game. And we've got uh, Dan Young, and we've got Scott Thompson. Nipper, Robbie Nipper Thompson. Yes. Uh, goalkeeper Robbie Winters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, Scott, Scott should hopefully be on next week, but I'll double-check with that. Um, 
But yeah, Scott, Scott, I'm looking forward to playing. Scott's him. another great guy. I, I got, I He's got hilarious on Facebook. Aye. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He does uh, a lot of the former player stuff for the Pars and that, I think, or he certainly used to. Um, and he's just a, a top man. Yeah. And we've got Willie Garner managing us, which I'm also looking forward to. Forward to. I mean, he keeps saying that the best player he's ever seen was mine in the last chat of games. <laughs> I think that's just for a laugh, to be honest. <laughs> that's what he keeps telling you. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy with that. that. I don't need to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, he probably only tells me that and tells everyone else that the um, best players he's seen was from the likes of Brian Irvin in the Scottish Cup final. I mean, Willie Garner had a fantastic, he had a sterling career, and yeah. uh, I, did, I did speak to him once about Celtic, his days at Celtic, Celtic growing up. Uh, it was his kind of dream, and it turned into a bit of a nightmare for him. And uh, but obviously, he, he then went, he was back in tow with Fergie, uh, you know, on, on Fergie's staff and. Ah, he's a, he's a lovely big guy, so it'll be nice to say hello to Willie again. Yeah, uh, he'll no doubt be thinking the same. Um, but yeah, looking forward to looking forward to the day. And um, it's only f- less than four weeks now um, mm-hmm. to the game, so it's come on very quickly. And uh, I need to put a shout about another raffle prize that we've got because. Uh, Libby back on side of the spare Celtic jersey which um, she sent to me um, so we'll get that signed by the the players in the day as well and raffle that off Excellent Yeah. And it's, okay. for, it's, for, a, it's for a fantastic uh, cause uh, that I think everybody obviously uh, who's speaking this evening um, will have been affected by at some point in their life if not themselves or someone they know and uh, it's just so important that when football is, is so popular um, that it's important to raise awareness wherever possible, uh, you know, when it comes to mental health. And there's been some casualties over the years. I mentioned George Conley. George Conley was absolutely a victim of mental health issues back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, football clubs didn't know how to deal with it back then. Uh, George didn't know how, himself how to deal with it. And he probably sought solace in alcohol at that time. And uh, he came through it. Some others don't. So it's great to raise awareness uh, of that charity and the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you two want to add, Chris and John? No, I just was thinking that um, <clears throat> if you want to come along to the game, watch us on the, the 29th of March. Uh, the game's taking place at Broadwood at 12 o'clock. Uh, so yeah, come along. It's £5 a head for adults, a pound for kids. All the money's going to uh, back on side, so yeah, come and laugh, come and look at some legends, <laughs> rolling back the years. <laughs> yeah, legends and legends, um, the legends being us, us four. Absolutely. No, I think maybe it was the Nations League draw tomorrow. It's oh getting, yeah, it's happening, and then obviously the concern about what happened at the weekend with Scott McKenna and John Suter both getting injured. Pretty short at centre back already, but that makes things even worse. Probably from the four of us at the back here. So what was left? To be fair, the four of us is a better option than Grant Hanley. That's true. <laughs> um, but... I'll tag, we'll tag him as well then. Uh, I'm in yes. the gap, Grant Hanley. Aye. Just make it fair. <laughs> Listen, you're right, we've no criticised anyone I don't like tonight. Uh, <laughs> De Canio, Paul, uh, Mo Johnson, yeah. <laughs> Tag them in, I want an interview. Yes. 
But yeah, yeah. no longer that game as well, obviously. Three weeks on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just the warm up act to the big event this Sunday. Yes. Yep. Um, although, incidentally, I, um, I text Rory asking who his ideal group would be, because um, he's obviously a Tartan Army follower, as well as a BT commentator, and he wants Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Bulgaria. Loves an Eastern European trip. It's probably for the women. <laughs> and the booze. And Yeah. Aye. Good combination. So, uh, yeah. Aye, definitely. But aye, I think that's probably us. I don't know if there's anything else that we've forgotten to cover or not covered and they seen your stories, Paul. Oh, any time. Any time, aye. There's... there's Many others, obviously, getting into the old movies and all that kind of stuff as well. It was a great laugh. Uh, didn't have a clue what I was doing, but uh, you can watch the film on uh, Amazon Prime, which I always find hilarious. Something that I was involved in making is on Amazon Prime. Absolutely absurd. By the way, if they're listening, they've still not paid me, so you could tag them in as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never realised it was on Amazon Prime. I wanted to go watch it. Ah, it's a cracker. I love it. I love it. The, the, the good thing about it, I say the good thing. Um, just a, another wee story is one of the boys, same age as me, Graham Morrison, who very, very sadly passed away after mm-hmm. the film. Uh, so it's always good to watch it and, and hear Graham's input. Graham played football with John Potter, uh, as it happens, as young guys doing at Celtic. So uh, it's, it's a great laugh. And, and, and to be honest with you, uh, the, the film side of things, there's a few other projects in the works. Um, one of which is, is very much relating to the mental health issues that uh, footballers or ex-footballers face. So it's huge. It's a massive topic, and it's great that people are talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Yeah, Graham Morrison was the reserve team captain at the time, wasn't he? He, he was the same uh, same team as like John Paul McBride. Yeah, John Paul McBride. That's right. Yeah, Aye, he's playing won. in the game too. Great stuff. I, I, there was a really, a really good crop, actually. Uh, I think Matt Burchill and Stephen Craney were part of that. Um, but there was a, a young guy called Paul Borland, uh, who unfortunately um, committed suicide in, in a game, which is very, very relevant. It, you know, lost to the game and uh, obviously had some issues that he couldn't deal with. So uh, all, that, all that kind of stuff is relevant. It's always been there. I just don't think it's been uh, discussed as freely as it now is, so fair play to everybody who's raising the awareness. You know, Gary Dempsey the other week was just brilliant. That was just excellent to see how that developed. Mm-hmm. That was a brilliant story, and as I said last week, I mean, the best thing I enjoyed about interviewing him, it wasn't even a football discussion. It was just talking about mental health. It was yeah. great and seeing what a great guy it was. Um, so yeah, it was good. And were you not supposed to have a podcast with Stan Collymore at one point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's relevant as well. I mean, Stan... Um, He's one of the first I remember that came out and spoke out, and this is just showing how far back we're going. That was 99, and he was ridiculed because of who he was. Yeah. Ah, he was ridiculed, and uh, I think uh, he got a phone call asking when he would be back. You know, it was like people just did not appreciate uh, the damage that, that this thing can do. And uh, Stan, we've got, a, we've got a table up at Celtic Park. Stan was our guest for the Lazio game. Uh, couldn't make it couldn't make it at the last minute very very unfortunately so we will get that interview at some point uh, his replacement in actual fact was Andrew Ennis the lead uh, guitarist at Primal Screams so it wasn't a bad replacement to be honest with you mm-hmm. but uh, Stan will come up he's promised to come up at some stage we'll get a sit down interview and we'll chat all about that because you know 
as you see, spoke out and he was ridiculed, which is just absurd. Uh, and thankfully, we all f think it's absurd now because back then, maybe that was normal in the football game. So there you are. I stand calling more. Um, a lot of time for Stan. So uh, another guy who's on the, the list of people I'd love to interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one I'd definitely listen to. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I think that's pretty much everything covered. We're getting close to um, 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, in fact, we're not far off 90 minutes tonight. We're doing well. So no, thanks very much, Paul. I appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure. And uh, I will look forward to seeing all you at the end of the month. And uh, hopefully we'll have a cracking day, raise a few quid for the charity as well. Sure will. Sure will. Absolutely. Looking forward to coming up against you and meeting you. Looking forward to it. Does anybody play right wing? Any of the Aberdeen fans that's on this podcast? <laughs> because I'm not as fast as I used to No, I'm still not a right winger. I don't have the pace. That's all right. You're up against a left back who's going to win any pace either, so you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. No, I look forward to it, guys, and it's a real pleasure to come on and have a good chat with you. So, um, I'll repay the favour sometime. You can come down to Stirling and have a wee chat with us. Fabulous. That'd be good. Right, definitely. That's if you're still talking to me after the game. <laughs> That'll be. <laughs> That's what we'll do then. We'll definitely get that in the diary and we'll, we'll get you on a Celtic state of mind and we'll have a wee chat maybe about mental health and. Uh, our experiences in that and how we can raise awareness it would be fantastic really worthwhile thing to do right can we do it if Aberdeen beat Celtic in the semi-final can we do it even if you don't no <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> the that's the terms and conditions <laughs> so I'm just be... <laughs> you've made me think I, I'm sure I interviewed Ali Begg on the, in the week that uh, that Tam Rodgers scored that late winner in the Scottish Cup final um, right, aye that's enough that's the podcast finished for this week <laughs> I'll speak to you next week. Ali Beg's a brilliant guy. Aye, lovely guy. Aye, Ali's a great guy. He's a horrible legend. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, lads.